Welcome to this week's Fit for Purpose podcast. This week we're talking to Sarita Brown. She's Chief People and Communications Officer at Virgin Money. Now I'm going to guess that quite a few people listening to this podcast will actually be a customer of Virgin Money. And they're very engaged with us on the levelling up goals and part of that purpose coalition of businesses and universities, NHS Trust, all sorts of different organisations who are really challenging themselves on how they can be engines of social mobility and, and what they can do inside their organisations, what they can do outside their organisations. And it's just fantastic to have Virgin Money as one of those businesses that's involved with all of this because I guess for most of us, it's been one of those brands in a way that has been a disruptor and has kind of changed the terms on a lot of the different things we buy and use in our lives. So it just seems like a brilliant fit for us being able to to work with with Virgin Money. So brilliant to have you on the podcast, Sarita. Um, Perhaps maybe the first question is, Tell us, I know you're quite new to Virgin Money, so tell us a little bit about this new role that you're into, and then maybe a little bit about Virgin Money and and its sort of purpose, you know, what makes it tick. Yes, um, thank you, Justine. I am new, I'm on day 18, so um, (laughs) very, very fresh. Yes, yeah, very fresh perspective. Um, So I joined uh, Virgin Money uh, November the 22nd as Chief People and Communications Officer, And my role is really to work with the organization um, on leading the people strategy um, as it helps um, drive our business strategy. Um, And uh, as part of that remit, I I have the um, oversight of communications, both internal and external as well, which is really exciting because we get the full spectrum of Um, not only driving the people strategy, but also understanding how we can communicate on that um, as an organisation internally and externally. So a great complementary remit. Um, And it's it's interesting joining Virgin Money at this time because I've always been a believer that the, the people strategy, HR strategy is central to a business strategy. And um, the work that uh, Virgin Money is doing and has been doing actually building um, momentum around really understanding well what's its purpose as an organisation and as a as a bank um, and as um, a, a part of the the UK community um, and how does that translate internally for its people um, and so we we've um, just been in the middle of um, launching um, a life more virgin which plays into our overall purpose which is how can we make the purpose is how can we make people happier about money and and, and a life more virgin is where we bring that to life for both our employees or our colleagues as we like to call them and our customers and tell us a little bit about that company purpose because I think you know making you happier about money that's a challenge (laughs) it's a really strong purpose Um, yeah and 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 you know the heart of people's relationship doesn't it with with money it does it does and it's not it's an oxymoron actually Justine (laughs) you know people hear money they think happy and well maybe the top the top 
10, 5% of people in, in the economic structure might be happy. But generally, when it comes to money, it's a, it's a challenging topic for people it's, as, as it affects their lives. Um, as um, you think about money in different ways, money you earn, money you have to spend, money you have to um, maybe monitor in, in terms of your bills and outgoings. So it's a serious business. And I think what we're trying to do is close that gap between people seeing money as something to manage and actually seeing it as something that can make their life better if they understand that full um, spectrum of how to manage money. And um, it's not the kind of phrase you would think about um, associated with a bank either, um, happy. Um, and, and that plays to the fact that we're trying to reinvent um, what banking means in this new economy and with this with an increasing um profile of people who who actually have are more values driven as well as a, as a, a society we're becoming much more values driven so we're trying to make um you know something that is quite traditional banking be um benefit from not just what we do in terms of um, financial services, but also our alignment to the wider Virgin Group and the benefits that can bring as well. So I, I liken it, Justine, to having your own personal banker, but for everybody. You know, we want to service people in a way that can advise them about money and, and not just somewhere where people bank with their money. I think it's really interesting because so I have to confess that my profession is I'm an accountant. And mm -hmm. so I I ended up, so I used to be a finance manager in industry. And one of the companies I worked at was, was a pharmaceutical company in, in R&D and probably some of these amazing scientists that have been developing all these COVID responses. But what really struck me was they would be the smartest people I'd come across. And yet, if you showed them a number and it had a pound in front of it, a pound sign, suddenly they'd, they'd think they couldn't do anything to do with budgets and, and all of that. And yet... They were perfectly capable and, it, and actually it was just demystifying it yeah. um, for them in many respects. And I think what's really interesting about your purpose, the, the purpose for Divergent Money, is it's confronting both the anxieties that people often have around money, but also saying, and there are opportunities, like if you can nail this, it's not just about not being worried, it's actually about what being comfortable and happy with money can actually unlock for your wider life. And I think that's really smart. Yeah, and I, I agree. And I think um, my own relationship with, um, you know, financial services, obviously, I've, I've been in um, banking now for over 12 years um, uh, as an industry. And um, I have completely re, I've had to re-educate myself about exactly what you're talking about, which is understanding how money works and, and then how can that work for me? And a lot of this for me is education and, and well, the Virgin Money you know, some of the, a lot of the work around purpose is getting people to understand the the full uh, the, the full spectrum of being able to manage money and benefit from it as well. You know, um, and so this is how you're bringing that purpose alive, yes. and how it ends up then changing what Virgin Money steadily does over time. Yes, and and so you were talking about some of the this aspiration around literally like having your own, you know personal advisor tell us a little bit about how that purpose will change virgin virgin money well it's we've had to really think about um how we ourselves um 
bring this to life as an organization. And, and it's the classic um, HR strategy dilemma, which is if you separate your people strategy from your business strategy, you may, you, you, you don't always, um, you're not always able to bring the right people in that can help you deliver your business outcomes or your purpose in this, in this case. So what we've done with um, a life more version and what, what we're doing, because it's just launched, it's just the beginning, mm-hmm. is we're trying to almost replicate that very experience we want to give our customers in terms mm-hmm. of our purpose internally. So we, we, we want to engage people. We want people to be engaged with that proposition. So how do you engage people with that proposition? Well, you start to make sure that there's a strong alignment with the way you want to deliver your business and the way you manage your people. And an example of that, I guess, would be how we're driving um, flexible working. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about some of the changes that that Virgin Money have made on that. Yeah, so um, uh, I've just, uh, we just did a a bit of a marketing push called locationless, locationless, locationless. (laughs) I I absolutely love it. I put it on my LinkedIn profile for anybody who wants to see. But it's basically, you know, I always say when uh, challenges come into an, uh, into a personal life or society, there's always something to learn. And what I think we've learned definitely in the last couple of years is that we ha- you can change the way things are done and still be productive. And certainly with the pandemic, we had to rethink how can our how can we get work done? How can we look after our people? How can we look after our customers um, and keep the bank running? And so we it was an acceleration of work already underway to think mm-hmm. about leveraging digital technologies and um, fostering working patterns that were more people-led rather than yeah. organisationally driven. Um, so people can be based, um, depending on role and operational requirements, anywhere in the UK. Um, we um, are allowing people to, with their managers and their teams, establish team rhythms as part of that um, process so that they can then decide how they want to work in line with um, their, their, their team um, requirements. Um, and you can be based in a vert, in a vert we, we can interact virtually, and we've also set up our existing office space to be designed as hubs for people to connect. So we're trying to make sure that in that flexibility, we provide environments for people to also engage and collaborate. It's really interesting. So it's about the, the kind of day-to-day working, but it's actually had a, a quite physical impact on how your offices now need to work for people when they are coming into the physical office. So how how have you had to do that? You know, I know that there's a different companies I've come across have, have completely reworked what this building called an office means for them. What what what's Virgin Money done? Yeah, huge investment, Justine. Um, and and I think it's 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 important because um, you have very different um, expectations from people about what the office means. Some people do like going to the office and working. Um, mm-hmm. Some people like to be able to step in and step out, and some people would love to just be remote. So um, <laughs> yeah. we you, organizations, and I know this from my my kind of professional field, are having this very very long and challenging debate. And I, I, I kudos to Virgin Money, and I wish I could take credit even though I'm on day 18, but kudos to Virgin Money because they've actually put a stake in the ground and said, we know that this is going to be 
the way the world has to work. So we're going to ensure that we provide people with the optionality and where that optionality um, requires people to collaborate into an office space, we're gonna make that space um, um, engaging, appealing. Um, so we've redesigned um, key hub sites and invested in those technology. I mean, it's not an easy task, by the way. This, If you, you, you're gonna do something like this, it, it does require a lot of focus, especially as people are coming in on a temporary basis. So what's the technology like? What's the um, protocols around people coming into the space, but they're not set in a set area? How can uh, meeting rooms be managed? How can um, you know breakout rooms be managed? So um, we've, we've made it a space that people will want to go to, basically. And so far, the feedback for those hubs that are up and running is that people love it. It's been slightly um, affected, obviously, by um, protocols we have to establish mm. in light of the virus. But that aside, um, it's an important part of the overall proposition that wherever you're working in Virgin Money, either at home or in the office space, your technology will work, you, it's transportable, and it's there's no disruption to that. And so, so far, so good. But I guess it's also worth saying that, you know, you're, you're kind of out there trying something very different in a way. And, you know, some things will go well, some things will go less well. And I guess it's a journey that you've set off on in relation to this ultra flexible working. You're, you're absolutely right. And I keep saying to people, I've done a few colleague sessions um, uh, we call them talk and types, which are brilliant. So the executive team um, convene with a group of people from all over the organization and we, we just answer questions. And one of the um, things that I expressed um, recently is that we, we all have to be very patient because any ambitious agenda is iterative. You know, it doesn't happen straight away. Um, and we've made a great first step, but now it's almost, um, let's make sure we test and learn. You know, we understand if there's things we haven't thought of, for example, that could make the experience better or something may not be working and we need to iterate. So really, and technology is, is your friend, but it can also be quite challenging. <laughs> it doesn't always do what you want it to do. Um, and getting that technology to the right level to everybody in our organization is um is a process you know it has to happen over a period of time so we're, we're inviting people to see this as um a, a kind of an opportunity to go on a journey as you say and that it's not set in stone and i think that's really important if you think about the environment we're actually working in justine and the the in this pandemic environment we don't know what tomorrow is going to look like we don't know what next year might look like so creating flexibility i think also allows you to pivot when you need to to something else yeah I think well I think that's a really good other reason to do it in a sense isn't it but you know it's also going to take time for people to adjust I think the reality is doing your commute into the office every day is a very different experience in the summer compared to in the winter and you almost need to go through those seasons to really sort of sense check how you feel about it you know for the whole year not just maybe for a part of the year and I think you're part on you, the point you just made about we are living in a world that's just just got that that additional uncertainty and it may well be that that is just part of life and this sense of being able to to kind of succeed and continue with business and continue developing careers whatever it's like and this being part of how you do that I think is a really interesting point. 
It is. And um, again, having from with my communications hat on, what, what you have to do in any change agenda um, is ensure you create dialogue, channels for dialogue um, and for people to engage, be that a manager to their employee, be that um, as a collective group. Um, and it should it has to be a, a conversation and a dialogue across the organization so we've put in place a number of channels in which people can provide feedback they can provide questions i mean the virgin money crew i can tell you are not shy um so <laughs> we, we have we have plenty of forums for people to express shall i say how they're feeling yeah. about things yeah um it's so important because you can do something and have it think it's designed great and it's working but keeping your finger on the pulse is very important so we we have established those communication channels and certainly to this type of agenda we are creating um stories um uh, that showcase how people are making this flexible working come alive for them and we're doing that from the executive team all the way down to frontline store people. So we're showing that how, what does flexibility mean for all different groups across the organization? So people feel empowered and, and we, we kind of, you know, give people permission to, to find out what this is for them and it's not one size fits all. And what's your sense? I mean, obviously all of our work with, with Virgin Money is, is on the, the leveling up agenda and, and, you know, the impact you can have on it, which I think is huge. What's your sense about how these changing approaches on how people and where people work, how that ties into this sense of getting more opportunities to more people over time? Yeah, I mean, again, as I said, it was like, um, you know, opening a, a box of sweets for me when I joined here because it was everything, it, it's almost got all the ingredients for just really exciting work. Um, there are many challenges organisations are facing, not just Virgin Money, when it comes to um, making sure you've got the right skills when you need them, making sure you have a strong, inclusive culture, um, mm -hmm. making sure people are not excluded because of where they may sit in the UK. Um, and that opportunity is almost people agnostic. Um, and, and what we've done, what I see in a very, it's a beginning, but what I can see with the approach that we are now um, committing to is that we're opening up um, opportunity and not closing it down, which is, is the first step to addressing some of those really hard agendas like diversity and inclusion um, and, and diversity and inclusion in its broadest sense. Um, so, you know, how can you get skills that may not be, that may be very, I'm going to make this up, maybe very London based, but yeah. you know, we have people north of the border who would love to be part of projects and opportunities. Now we don't talk about location anymore. So, you're starting to get a pipeline um, of people that you wouldn't normally have been able to access. Equally, we're getting a lot of interest, I think, externally. So there's the nice balance there that this is resonating not just with Virgin Money colleagues and employees, but also externally. Um, the other piece as well is um, it's a very, um, you know, it's been a very challenging time for people. And I think this is also helping us on the pastoral side. So people's um, physical and mental well-being you know simple things like people can go out and you know walk their dog um, in the morning when they may not have been able to if they were commuting um, and 
so I think um, that that's been really helpful. The, the 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 other side to this, though, I guess, is where you know you you did we did have a kind of a consideration of people who may feel more isolated, for example. Yeah, totally. um, lots um, of people who sort of feel like they don't want to be stuck at home and. You know, maybe getting getting that social interaction at office is is the the main way they meet people. Exactly, and so as I said, the pandemic aside, we have made sure that people um, that teams especially understand that they should leverage the benefits of the Hub and Connect. And we've even got a booking app. You know, people can book mm -hmm. space. Um, we're making it easy for people to connect, and we're advising managers and leaders of teams to think about their engagement strategy as a team. So, you know, can you do face-to-face -face in person? If you can't, can you maybe host a smaller group of your team in a certain location? Um, so one size just definitely does not fit all here, um, but we're, we're seeing um, kind of definite benefits on other parts of our agenda that we, we need to drive. I think it's fascinating and it's, it's this, in a sense, it's been coming for a while. This this shift towards more flexible working, and and what what I found interesting, and I was I was part of the government that did more legislation to help flexible working, but there was always this sense that passing a law is one thing, getting getting it adopted in a sense in the workplace is a different thing, and actually on flexible working that had been a particular a particular issue actually um it wasn't the law in a way that was holding back it, it was the culture and i think what yeah. covid suddenly did almost overnight democratized was, <laughs> yeah to democratize it and we ended up in this ultra flexible working approach but if if employers can find the right ways to to deal with that it can be a huge advantage and i guess for those people you talked about you know people outside of virgin money who are looking at you know it as a, a potential employee for them i guess um that then becomes a real part of your offer doesn't it to get that talent it does and you know we've thought about this on so many levels because the other angle of this is how can flexible working just going back to making sure we're not excluding anybody how does flexible working and being more remote maybe um, affect young people in their career development exactly. um, so we've actually launched programs focusing on that how do you career help young people um, who are entering into this environment um, develop their career in flexible environments um, because that's that's also that was also flagged as something we need to think about if you're a more experienced um uh, career person you may not need to you know learn or or kind of feel the in-person benefit from exchanging ideas with colleagues. But if you're just entering into the workforce, that might be really beneficial, beneficial for you. So we're trying to, we're trying to, to the point of democratization. This isn't an agenda for the faint-hearted, by the way. I mean, it is, it, it takes a lot of work and it has taken a lot of work, I can see, for us to get to this point, because you have to de-layer and deconstruct all possible scenarios in order to make sure you're you're doing things for everybody um so just flexible working is great but is it great if you don't have as much holiday for example so how do people balance their lives so we've put in a new package around um and, and this is a big part of our our agenda to make sure we harmonized from our legacy construct but people get you know benefits from day one now at virgin and, and that is you know 
covers um, annual leave, it covers things like, you know, parental leave um, and um, benefits um, for, you know, if you have children um, and we're making those benefits available to everybody from day one. I mean, that's that's really appealing, especially if you think about the environment and market we're operating in. Um, and I know from my own kind of research that um, the considerations people have when they're looking for jobs now go beyond salary mm. and kind of, you know, in terms of careers, people think benefits are very important to people now. Um, and, and so you have to you have to be very thoughtful when you're launching programs like this, that you underpin them so that the experience is reflected in practice when people actually start working here. And I guess it well, well, two points really, I guess. Uh, the first point I definitely wanted to log was, which, which, is, which I think is worth saying is, there's a thing, sometimes you can have these elements of an organization that tell you the bigger story. So, so what do I mean by that? What I mean was, you look at the NHS, you look at that, that sort of four hour A&E target, and it was one target, but actually to achieve it, a hospital had to do so much other stuff in order to be able to say, yes, we've achieved that. And actually that was really why it drove so much of a wider system. I think, I think maybe flexible working is another similar one of those sorts of things that to be able to nail it well, actually what you're saying, Sarita, is that there's so much of the rest of it that needs to be in place. And yeah. actually, if you can do it well, then actually it tells you a lot more about your your business in a way that you've been able to do that so that's my first point I I've kind of taken from what you're saying I guess the second point is it sits alongside this whole purpose agenda doesn't it yes because it's really this sort of ability to be that broader business that can genuinely take on board those values of your employees but also those people who may well want to become your employees and, and it's just this much more just multi-layered relationship isn't it with the people it, it that you're in contact whoever they are it is and it's also making it's seeing your your people as what so 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 colleagues as we call them employees are customers and customers are employees you know it's it's looking at people through one lens and if you're making your people happy you're definitely making your customers happy because we're both things in in a sense even if we're not you know we don't have banking products which I hope we do but if we don't have banking products we're still we are the people we want to attract and we are the people we want to um, promote our services to so we're a great it's it's a great signal if you're getting it right internally that you're going to get it right externally because people will identify i think increasingly justine we're seeing people um select with values and purpose in mind we're seeing it all the time we're seeing it from an esg perspective people are watching organizations and what they do not just what they say so um these types of agendas have to be underpinned. They cannot be a label or a pet project or an initiative. And it's been a really um, ambitious agenda that I think the, the leadership have put their, their kind of um, support behind and, and commitment. It takes commitment and it's a, it's a big journey. Um, I would say, I always say the journey with initiatives like this, it's day one for a long time. <laughs> um, it's day one for a long time until you've embedded it. And when you've embedded it, you're not really talking about it anymore. You're just 
doing it. Yeah, um, it's so just how life is. It's just how life is. So we've got a way to go, but I, I, I do think we've set ourselves up. And the other point that I think is important is around the purpose is we've not just left that floating so there's a real structure around purpose in the organization there are there's a purpose council and an executive board member you know sits on that um along with other people there's a, um, a forums purpose forums in each area our recognition uh, systems and i just did one today with my own hr function we have a purpose posse you know and they do all <laughs> kinds good. of yeah, they do all kinds of activities to make sure we understand what work we do and how that reflects the purpose, reinforces the purpose. Um, and so we are doing what good, good, good business strategies do. What you do is you, you set an intent and then you go at every layer of your organization, you make sure that there's a systematic reflection of that intent and that you, you think about upstream and downstream. And, and the, I, I always feel the thing about this is if you're able to do that well, because it is just a culture and, and a, people clearly understand what they're there to fundamentally do every day, then actually it, it takes the weight off all of those control architectures that lots of businesses and organisations would otherwise need to have. Because if everyone already knows what they're meant to be fundamentally trying to do you don't need to tell them as much because actually they just know it themselves and they buy into it and then I think you really end up with not only a sort of better business but it's one that people prefer because they're not kind of tied up in rules the whole time yeah and you know and this is why this agenda is really challenging because Let's be honest, financial services, we're in a regulatory environment and, and our DNA is to be very risk orientated, which is right. Um, but in the market that we're now moving in and how that market is developing, the pace requires you to make sure that you instill accountability and responsibility at every level of your organization. So I, I need the chief risk, risk officer to be as focused as a store person. You know, it's not the, the because that way you, I think you're better at managing risk. And if people feel empowered, they take responsibility more, I think, I, I believe personally. And um, so for us, launching this agenda, at some point you think, oh, but what about, what about? And we consider all, we're very, very thoughtful around operational risks. So, mm. you know, there are some roles that can't be remote, obviously. Um, and, and, and but, but the way we've constructed this, everybody understands it. But to that point, I was talking to um, a store colleague uh, the other day um, and, she had such passion about a life more virgin in that even though she has to do um, a certain role in an office environment in the store, she said it's opened up so much opportunities for her to be a better mum. And she talked me through how she has been able to manage her two children that they're young. And more importantly, she said, and I talked to my manager and there's still runway when those kids get to a certain age, I can potentially look at developing my career further so I'm not stuck. And I just thought, wow, what an amazing um, kind of story to show that it's not just about being in the office or not being in the office. It's about helping people manage their own personal lives and goals, you know. And 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 this sense that we, we just talked earlier in the podcast about how if things change, you know, and COVID you know, rears its head more or less. Then, it, then you can pivot using this. But actually, the other point is, yeah, and people's lives change. And so there might be some times where yeah. they really value work at the moment, and then other times they want to 
re-engage more, develop more. And, and I think that's that's the benefit of it all. Now, I want definitely wanted to ask you about your own career journey. You now have this fab role at a great time with pension money, <laughs> as we've been hearing that, because it's really interesting. Um, tell us a little bit about your journey. I, I guess, so when, when you were, you know, mini, mini me, Sarita, what were you thinking of doing when you were at school? Did, did you think you'd be going down this route? What was what was the, the original? Oh, my God. And I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a creative by birth. So I, I, I have always been an, an, an avid reader. And I, I, I studied English literature at Goldsmiths. And right. my, I, my, my world was writing and reading. I loved mm-hmm. doing that stuff. Um, and, and, but actually, I think it set me up well for what I ended up doing. And, and so I fell into um, human resources as a, a career because I um, graduated and thought I needed to pay off my student loan, <laughs> which wasn't huge compared to today's students and what they have to deal with. But um, at the time, it was enough. So I thought I'll go and do a graduate program. So I, I started my career really on a, a kind of tactical basis. It was, I'll join a graduate program, work for two years and then decide what I really want to do. Um, and I, so so that's that was my world. And I loved reading because it, it made me, I felt it was very a very expansive hobby. It allowed me to yeah. enter worlds that I couldn't physically be in potentially. And it, it was great for my imagination and understanding humans and different ways yeah. of being in the world. So, um, I was, um, and I've always been interested in that. So I fell into um, the HR program at British Telecom and um, thought I'll do this thing called HR for a couple of years. <laughs> hang on, hang on. We're now jumping ahead. So why HR? There's a lot of graduate programs out there. Tell me a little bit about, about why you do that one and, and, and not another. So I've always been the, the kind of... Um, person to go where it's not really it's not necessarily the known thing I'm, I'm very I'm very curious um and uh and head, well and it's not it's edgy you know and it's different so I went into this uh, I went into HR because I was looking through the, the graduate brochure and you know marketing finance they all looked you know oh god business I don't want to I said to myself at the time I don't want to be in business I just want to be on the outside of business and then I saw this thing called human resources and I was like, oh this is interesting right. um, and it was interesting for me because it was around people and I felt like at that point I felt that I didn't want to be in business because I was just on a two-year journey so I was like well I it kind of keeps me on the outside is what I thought um so that was why I selected HR I had no knowledge of HR I didn't um understand what it did but it didn't feel like the mainstream and I guess going back to your you know all the reading and the love of literature Maybe there was a little bit of something around ideas. Yeah. People having ideas and it being that being what was really interesting to you. Yeah, I love studying people. I love understanding. I grew up in a household where my mum and dad were, um, they, the, I was very fortunate that I could travel. I travelled from a very young age with them and I just loved mm-hmm. watching different people. And, mm. and this was also a world that, 
wasn't, you know, familiar to me. Um, there wasn't many people like me in this world at that time. It wasn't, it was a very, human resources is quite a select area of a business, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, again, it, it's, it's the sad part in me. I, I just seem to like to put myself into things that are completely what I would see as the antithesis. And I was like, well, I can't see many people here like me. There's not many English literature graduates for a start. Um, and uh, it was, it was just a challenge and I like that. Great. Well, I think that's a good thing. <laughs> so, um, so, so you end up on this BT graduate program, and actually, it, it kind of turns out way better than perhaps you Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, I I have to say, the twelve years I had at BT were just phenomenal. And um, I, I always say to people when I talk about my career that I. My, I learned my school of HR. It was my school of HR. Mm -hmm. um, I had the opportunity to work with some of the most seasoned professionals in HR at the time. And, and Justine, you will probably know that BT has a strong kind of, it's a, it's a, it was a communications company. It had the history of being from the old post office days. Yeah. Very strong government um, relationships. It had a, an edgy new type of business it was doing at yeah. the time around yeah. you know, B2B, ICT communications globally. It was globally expanding. And I was like, this is an exciting company. Yeah. So I, came, I came into HR at a time when HR was taking center stage in developing a business strategy. So and I guess all the skills were changing that yes. the company needed. And so yes. it's cascading through everything that yeah. you were responsible for. Yeah, and you, it was a, a business that had recognised uh, one of the thought leaders of the time that HR was actually uh, an integral part of business decision making and strategy. So I loved, I actually, contrary to my original perception, I became very in the centre of business. And I, and I thought, oh, I like this business thing. <laughs> And yeah, so, it's okay yeah and, and it's um, quite interesting it's quite interesting and I realized that this this view I had of business was was pretty antiquated and probably framed through stereotypes on telly and that actually it was an important structure I think in in economies and I I just learned a lot I also made sure though that I learned about HR so BT was very good at professional development and I got to do a lot of professional development in the function and and so that twinned with being at the center of business really was a great experience and got to work across all areas brilliant and now now at Virgin Money. Well, um, yeah, I went to City after BT. I, ah, I, yeah, okay. I went to, so I went from British to American. Mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> and a very similar experience. Spent 11 years at Citigroup. Um, and just to and, explain to people listening what Citigroup does, because it's very yeah, different in many ways. to It is. It's, yeah, so I went from communications straight into banking two years post the financial crisis. So you can imagine it was, everybody was like, mm, that's an interesting move. But again, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I felt like it was time to do a different industry. Industry. And I, I thought, what better industry to test HR capability in one that is recovering from one of the biggest worldwide crises ever um, and where people were going to be a very challenging agenda because they were either going to slot into the cost bucket or they had to also slot into the growth bucket or be in both really and so I thought it would be a good stretch for me and I went in and City American Bank um, over 200 million customers so a huge 
organization and 200,000 people um, and in 160 countries. So I went from a, a mainly UK organization, although it did have some global presence, into a fully American-led global bank. Um, and it, has, it was 11 years of, again, amazing experiences, very much though learning the um, really getting into financial services in a very geographically spread, spread environment. So how does, how does this economy work in all of these countries? Fascinating. And then on to Virgin Money. Yes, yeah. um, I, got, I, I got enticed and Virgin Money for me, it was, to be honest, and I'll tell you on this story, I, at BT, one of my employees, I met up with one of my old team the other day and he, he said to me, Sarita, I remember you going on about Virgin when you were at BT. Because <laughs> I've always been an admirer of the Virgin brand, just in terms of what yeah, it's BT. done. You know, it's gone from mail order to the moon, nearly the moon. It's in space. It's going to get to the moon probably. Um, and that that ambition, you could you could sense it back then, 20 years ago. And so I've always liked the philosophies around people and the connectivity to how you treat people to then what they do, and also the philosophy around empowering people and letting them choose how they want to be in the environment. So I, I aligned with those values and have always followed the Virgin brand. And then I fell into banking, obviously, in City. And then all of a sudden, this opportunity came my way that had Virgin and money next to it. And I was like, okay, this is fate. <laughs> it could be perfect for me. This is perfect for me. And the agenda at Virgin Money was exactly the type of work I'd been doing at City. Um, so it honestly, Justine, it felt a bit serendipitous, to be, to be honest. Um, I felt compelled to go. But I, I think the things that um, really pushed me into the the opportunity uh, with the ambition to you, and you've mentioned that the ambition of Virgin Money, it's a, it's a pretty ambitious agenda we've set for ourselves. Yeah. And we're putting everything we have um, to it. And I like that. I like the challenge. I like, because I think when you do that, anything's possible. Um, secondly, I liked the authenticity of, okay, we've got an ambitious agenda, but we know we need our people to buy into that. How are we going to help them on that journey? And how are we going to make them feel? And a real concerted effort to try and do that. So the a life more virgin and purpose driven um, work was a real um, attractive proposition for me. And then finally, um, I just liked the philosophy that, you know, this, this, this area of money, um, making it a democracy, um, allowing people to feel that they have as much right to be advised and to feel like money is their, their kind of, their, their advocate almost. It's their, their, their way of getting on in the world as anybody else. And your economic status doesn't dictate you having access to that education, that understanding. And I liked that philosophy. So, plus it's a great team. Which makes a big difference. So I guess I'm going to ask you your final question in a second, Sarita. But I guess so two points for me, as ever, people think about these sectors and they think, oh, I don't want to work there or whatever. But actually, there's tons of jobs in those sectors, you know, and your career is such a great example of how, you know, you can apply what you do, which is HR to so many different companies and so many different sectors. Second point, as ever, for everyone out there is you can be successful and most of us don't have a game plan so I know we've got a prime minister that said he wanted to be world king but that's unusual <laughs> um, most of us don't set out wanting to be world king or world queen and most of us set out not having a clue frankly about really what we want to do with our lives 
but it's this ability to be a bit iterative and as you are have been Sarita just go for those opportunities see how they work out and roll with it a bit because actually if you're prepared to do that then stuff opens up as it clearly has done with your your career now my final question Sarita so if you were talking to this this younger version of yourself the one that's into the reading the books all of that stuff giving yourself some advice earlier on in your life with all of the obviously you've got a long way to go in your career but even now giving your, your younger self some advice what do you think that would be oh my gosh I, I was I've been talking about this in the organization recently so I would be so clear to the younger person and say to my younger self and say it's going to be tough you know it's going to be really hard um but you're gonna do the best work you've done if you accept the setbacks you know and you learn always learn it's not a problem and I think we teach in our you know, today, every, uh, my concern today is that everything looks easy. You know, technology is almost a friend and a foe. Everything looks like it's attainable and it is absolutely obtainable, but you're going to have to work really hard and you're going to have to be ready to enjoy success and enjoy the setbacks. And it's the setbacks that are going to get you to the next level because that's where you learn. That's where you grow. Um, and I, I just I, I try and reassure them that it's going to be OK. Just stay with it. Yes, I'm with you on that. The best training sessions are often the toughest ones, but they're the ones that make you better. Um, Sarita, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the podcast. Sorry, listeners, this has run on a little longer than our normal podcast, but that's because it was so interesting and so good. So it's been fantastic. We love having Virgin Money as part of the Purpose Coalition doing all the levelling up goals work. I am really fascinated to see how this journey you've set on with flexible working goes on how it plays onto the leveling up agenda I think it's going to be a really good model for other employers to look at and learn from as you as you said Sarita Um, but thanks so much for all of those insights today they've been absolutely fantastic Um, and we're looking forward to all of the leveling up work with Virgin Money that lies ahead thank you very much for being on the podcast thank you 